0: Welcome to the Dork Forest, Jackie and her pals will never, never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make, make us, us laugh and smile. So let's explore the Dork Forest and dork out for a while. Hello, you are listening to the Dork Forest with Jackie Cashin. I, coincidentally enough, am Jackie Cashin. You know the websites JackieCation.com, Dorkforest.com, the Dorkforest.com if you enjoy a determiner. The Dork Forest is a podcast that's on all the platforms, your iTunes, and then I, I populate it over to YouTube. It's on Stitcher and Pandora and Spotify and but wherever you list to podcasts, hopefully uh, it makes it available in a thousand different ways. It is November, and I'll also use this for December. Uh, this month, I ask that you not donate to the Dork Forest. If you want to support the Dork Forest, you can. You can order from Amazon using the tiny link that just takes you to Amazon, and you order like normal. You can buy merch on the store page on com. You can go to the Bandcamp DorkForest.com and buy extra episode and stories and stuff if you like to do that. You can come and see me do stand-up comedy at uh, which my tour is all over jackiecation.com. And in November and December, I'm actually on the road quite a bit, including Minneapolis and Madison, uh, Wisconsin. So those are my, but don't donate. Don't use the PayPal button to donate. And if you're doing it monthly, know that your donation Uh, we'll be going to the L.A. Food Bank. Because what I ask is that you don't donate to the Dork Forest in November and December, and instead donate to your local food bank. Go to feedingamerica.com if you are in the United States. Put in your zip code, and it'll tell you your local food bank. Or you can just Google the words food bank and the name of your town. That happens all over the world. You can do that anywhere in the world. But just uh, for these two months, uh, just uh, help people around you. That's all I'm saying. Other than that... The dork for. We should do the credits. Yes. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song with Sarah Cohen, his wife, and he will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady fixes this audio, and Vilmos still fixing JackieCation.com, bless his heart. Anyway, let's get into the show. Hey, it's JackieCation in the living room. I am with Tiffany Stevenson. You are now on the lady comic thread that has hundreds and hundreds of posts every single day. Just in case you needed a set, except for that there's very few sets. It's mostly just bitching about uh stand-up comedy. I enjoy that. We have a couple of WhatsApp groups like that in the UK. Oh, fair enough. There yeah. you go. So at, at Tiff Stevenson, S-O-N, Stevenson yes. with a V. Yeah. It'll be linked in the notes, is your Twitter. And at Stevenson tiff stevenson comic on instagram yeah i'm trying to work out instagram you know we're words people i'm not pictures people yeah the good thing about instagram is that it is just pictures and you're like fine here you go this is where i'm at how about that and then tiny tiny videos seem to be popular so that's uh that'll be something i like that they're called stories but you've referred to them as
1: tiny videos (laughs) they're tiny videos i don't think
0: that doesn't feel nobody's doing that prep for it to be a story I have actually seen some storytelling, like, I think Jen Kirkman puts a lot more work into it than I do. Right. Possibly a Nikki Glaser will right. do something. Me? Tiny stories. So, uh, if you want to, uh, tiny videos, if you want to put a story together, please do. Okay. Now, uh, Tiffany Stevenson, you are not originally from this country. You no. are visiting from I'm visiting. the UK
1: from the UK where we have our own disasters happening. Right,
0: you're also on fire. Congratulations. I mean,
1: you're in a hell mouth like Buffy. uh,
0: (laughs) By the way, we're going to be discussing Buffy.
1: (laughs) Um, But uh, yes, I feel like what happened was we sort of fucked everything up with Brexit and then you guys looked at that and went we can supersize that
0: we are gonna one up that (laughs) and we're just gonna light it all on fire we need we need Canada to do a big gulp (laughs) and take everyone (laughs) right right they're just like you know what there's all of northern Canada is pretty empty they still only have like 30-35 million people so uh, if you're willing to live in the winter uh, head up I'm not that's why I'm leaving the UK (laughs) exactly you're like so you'll be back so you did a show at the improv and you're gonna do again This will go up the day after. Yes. Uh, November 4th, you're going to do the Lyric Hyperion here in Los Angeles. I
1: will be doing that. I'll be doing my hour show, Mother, which is um, a bit about me being a stepmother amongst other things. Okay. And reproductive rights. Um, I do sometimes get a few stepmoms in. Ones that aren't in their castles, um, <laughs> talking to their enchanted <laughs> mirrors. So uh, I had yeah. a stepmother. Did you have a stepmother? Uh, I didn't have a stepmother. No, no. You had a did, regular I, bio my, my, mom. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, bio. Like, see, like it's like washing powder. I hate that. Um, but yep. Yeah, is it too much? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, but you had a stepmom. Did you get on well?
0: Well, uh, we did. She did not want to do it, uh, but she was on board. She's like, we're doing it now, and yeah. uh, uh, so you will be be raised. You will learn how to do chores and your homework, and we at the end of that, we will love each other, but no one will know why. Yeah, and uh, so it came to pass <laughs> because she was a great loss to the Austrian army because there were six of us, and uh, so she came into the, and there were charts and graphs and French corners on the beds, and uh, she was like, "We're doing this now," yeah. and uh, I don't want to do it either. I never wanted children, so here we go. No, uh, now I've got six of now you. I've got six of you, and uh, one of you kind of handsome, not that much younger than me. Maybe no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> and uh, my brother Terry has always said that she hit on him, ah. uh, and I was like, "Ew!" But I can see it. Yeah, she was a sexy lady. Uh, she just passed away about five years ago. So, uh, but she uh, she was great. She uh, in many ways saved our lives. It's um, it's one of those jobs where the reward is.
1: I love my stepson, and he's awesome, but you don't get much praise or reward for it. Otherwise, like societally, you, there's a constant feeling of imposter syndrome. I think with it, <laughs> right?
0: Which, yeah, you're, uh, you're definitely, uh, you. It's it's screwy. It's not fair because um, it's a thankless job that you are not thanked for. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and if and if you are too into it you're trying to replace somebody's mother and if you're not into it you're evil and horrible yes so um in Nancy Cation's uh experience she was like I don't I don't want to replace her but we do have to do this because I can't live in squalor how about that <laughs> and uh and so um she she got she got, <laughs> she got bitched at for all the things and um but in the end very little jail time among the six of us so yeah. you gotta love that yeah she did yeah. a good job mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she raised you right She did raise us right. It was, uh, um, and then it was very funny because of the things she used to say that she never wanted children. And then uh, when she had grandchildren, she used to talk about how much she loved her grandchildren never met them. Very little. I uh, was like not interested at all. Like two of them grew up like 20 minutes from her. So I'm like once a year. Right. And uh, she was like, I didn't want children, but I'm glad that I have this giant extended family that I can tell people uh, over drinks that I uh, helped be part of their lives. So she, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of a rip. So I wonder, you know, I, I never did get her side of it. Yes. And uh, and so that's what your
1: show is, kind yeah, of her side of it? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, I've done like nine hour long shows at the Edinburgh Fringe at this point. So. Right. And every year, something new? Y- y- pretty much every year, though I had two, a two year gap between Bombshell and this one. And Bombshell feels pertinent again, because that was all about the left in uh, politically eating itself. Oh, like, there you go. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I feel that's still sort of ongoing. Um, I I even feel like we can't coalesce in the UK. I just tweeted about this today. I was like, any chance we can just put our micro differences aside to focus on the big bad? Yeah, Again, to use another (laughs) Buffy Buffy phrase. But like we've got, we need to get the Conservatives out. And this sort of infighting between everyone on the left is not going to do it because the right are united in all the stuff that they do don't like and disagree with and we're
0: fractured and we're also, we're throwing each other under the
1: bus. No nuance. Yeah.
0: They have no nuance. And so they can be all one for, you know, they can face the same way while they can have racism and homophobia and, um, and pretend morals. Yes. And the left is like, well, it's actually much more great. Katie Hill got revenge porn, uh, has to resign. And you're like, or you could stick it out and be called an asshole. But, uh, and maybe not get reelected. But, you know, you, so you had sex with someone at work. I don't think you were the first one. No. And uh, <laughs> definitely, certainly not among the men folk. Anyway, so anyway, yeah. but let's talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer because yeah. you're on the Dork Forest.
1: I'm on the Dork Forest and I yes. want to be dorky about dork Right. Things. You want
0: to dork out about, about something super fun. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, low gone, like no longer a, a thing. Did you see the movie?
1: Uh, I saw the movie. I saw the movie because it was obviously before the TV series. And it was, uh, I think it's Kirsty Swanson and Luke Perry. R.I.P. Okay. R.
0: Luke Perry. Uh, oh, Did Luke Perry die? That's right, he did. And he was yeah. only like 50 or something. Yes. Younger yeah. every day. Yeah,
1: at, yeah. That age. Um, and it was a cute little, I mean, it was for me at the time when that came out, that would be just my... You know, American culture has such a huge impact on the U.K., and especially in your teenage years, yeah. of your wishes of living this life where you're like, oh, they get to go to prom. These weren't things that we had. Ah. I mean, I think the U.K. sort of has these things now, but you have they're gardens. Not. We have gardens. We don't gardens. have gardens. Right, okay. Yeah, you we have call yards. Them yards. <laughs> you have yards. But
0: the garden, it sounds like there's more work involved.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's Kent in the U.K., which is the Garden of England, but I always say if that garden had like a sofa and a refrigerator like fly-tipped in the front of it so, like, <laughs> fair like, enough so there's so a garden is it's, it's all about perspective I suppose yeah, very
0: much so <laughs> as is prom yeah, yeah,
1: yeah because prom can be a horrific experience as we've for many people and carry as
0: we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie specifically, who I think got her own back, didn't she? Yes, she At did. At prom? Yeah. yeah. I never, I didn't go to prom as you can well imagine. Uh, this is, uh, does not have the social skills to uh, indulge in some sort of uh, <laughs> Dance, so uh, I did not. I don't know how to roller skate backwards. Things, the bucolic American experience. But I'll tell you, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She had that cheerleader kind of thing.
1: Well, she tries to join the cheerleaders and then doesn't get in, and that's what I like about her. She has, she's basically a hero, but who's tackling all of this teenage girl stuff at the same time. Right. So I think I was probably you know, a bit older than it when it came out, but but about the same sort of age as the cast that are in it. Yep. Um, All right. So it was 1997, I think, it first. Okay. Was it 97? Oh, no, maybe it was 90... Because has it been 25 years, or has it been 20 years of Buffy? We should fact-check that. I feel like it's 97 uh, when it first came out.
0: I didn't see it when it first came out. I saw it in reruns.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. it was... Because, again, it's immediately locking into this part of culture. Um, right. um that that, you know, also, you know, it had all this stuff about long it was ninety-seven. So I was twenty at the time it came out. Okay. And and um but so same sort of age as the cast members. But at what it, it was so rare to see Bar Sarah Connor from, you know, Terminator. Yep. To see and that was a big deal for me because I think I watched that when I was about uh Eleven or twelve, maybe when that film came out, and it was to see a woman just being the badass yep. in the film, and totally flipping that, flipping the script on the original story, which had her as a victim, and in this one, she's very much
0: right. Right. The first, the I liked the first Terminator movie, and I was in my twenties, I think, but um, the second one was definitely much more. Uh, it's just much more powerful because, you know, I used I spent my entire childhood pretending that Han Solo had a little brother or a little sister <laughs> that I could be, right? Yeah. And uh, so for there to be a woman hero is is always a, a freaking delight. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So seeing that, um, she saved the world a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Every time. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it just um, the writing in it. I mean, to kind of write it off as a teen drama, which happened a lot at the time used to really piss me off because actually the storylines are evergreen they touch upon all of the big themes that you would get in any good drama you know you've got joyce passing away this kind of whole episode Who about was joyce? grief joyce was um was buffy's mom oh and i always was say, that
0: late <laughs> like, wasn't she like i think i i saw the first three or four seasons the most
1: Right, right. So and then she, she went passed, to college. Yeah, she went to college. She passed away while Buffy was in college. Okay. So that was four, I think series four. Because um, five was the one where, um, is five the one where Dawn appears? Maybe it's series five, actually. Yeah. Um, How and many the whole years point, was it? Uh, there was eight, seven, eight, seven seasons. Seven or eight seasons? Yeah, hold on. I'll okay, this. exactly. This is not right. very good dorking. If I don't know no, how no, I'll it's tell you uh, how, how here's the thing series.
0: about the Dork Forest. Enthusiasm sometimes replaces information. Yeah, <laughs> certainly from your host. Jackie yeah, Jason. I th- <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, No, there were seven. I'm correct. Okay, okay. seven. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean, so Buffy's mom uh, uh, Joyce, who I always joke like Jordan Peterson, looks like someone that Joyce Summers would date. She had like really terrible taste. <laughs> In like kind of silver foxes. Right, she
0: looked like, yeah. And she looked very 80s for... uh, For a 90s show. For a 90s show. And she looked, which kind of made sense because she would have been an 80s teen, right? Yes. And um, so for her to think that that was still cool made perfect sense. Yes. But she was a giant mess. And um, I think, uh, yeah, because I remember... In the in in the beginning, there was a lot of her not fitting in, and the in the, the the big issues were. I mean, it was monster of the week for a long time, right?
1: Mm. There were a lot of high school themes in that sort of first series of feeling invisible. There was literally an invisible character that wreaks that, revenge. That's right. Who played like the oboe or
0: something and crawled in the in the <laughs> in the ducks yeah. or something? Yeah.
1: Um. And then with there were the kind of like frat boy, um. Oh, that frat boy episode. Yes. Yeah. There's, well, there's, well, there's the beer episode. I think that's, that's into, that's, that's into series three. I think that's, or four, that's Buffy when she goes to college, um, where they all drink beer and turn stupid,
0: (laughs) which is a little (laughs) bit on the nose. But it was, I think it had a lot of on the nose, but I didn't mind it because it was like, there was the, um, the predatory teacher who, uh, who turned into a praying mantis or something like that, or that was like third episode in (laughs) or something it was
1: early early days um and there's also um the hush episode which is just um which was in series um hush is the one it feels almost like very gothic like tim burton esque it won emmys and everything else um what was it the was part of that a, one. I vaguely remember the name. It was series four, so it's when Buffy's at college, and it's about these men called the Gentlemen. Yeah. And they go around stealing hearts.
0: Oh, you know, here's the thing you love those college years. Yes. That's hilarious, where she had the boyfriend who was in the army or something. Oh, but he's a terrible character
1: as well, so there is that. Um. (laughs) Well, he was all right for like, I think the first half of
0: season, Riley.
1: Yes, but he didn't like that she was stronger than him. He was a man that was struggling with the fact that there was a woman who was more powerful than him Mm -hmm. and more um, morally kind of like able able to see the nuance. He was an army guy who was very much black and white, good and evil, this is bad. And she's like, actually… Now we're in season four of Buffy. Right. It's, there's, and Spike
0: is involved. And- yes.
1: There's more re- moral relativity. And Spike's not getting killed straight away. You know, right. they want him, they want him dead. But the gentlemen steal the voices oh, first. Right. So that you can't hear them scream when they take the hearts. So there's, uh, it's, it's an episode without, uh, it one like kind of best script. And they were okay. like, oh, the irony of this being there's hardly any dialogue in it.
0: Right. <laughs> you
1: know. <laughs> right. So, um, so the idea is, is that they wake up one morning, they can't speak. Yeah. And they're kind of like, draw, it's, it kind of, it's slapsticky, it's very funny. Yeah. Um, but the gentlemen
0: are super, super creepy. They hover off the ground. Yeah, they, they're, they're they're all in suits or something and they're just sort of floating along, right? They're
1: floating along. And it was very reminiscent of, there was a film with Rufus Sewell where they turn back the clocks in the night. I don't know if you remember this film. No, Rufus Sewell and Richard O'Brien were in this film where... At night, um, they would go out and turn back the clocks and change everything around. Dark City.
0: Dark Dark City? City. Yeah. And when was that? When did that come out? That came
1: out in 1998. I think it was heavily influenced by... By Buffy? No, no. Or Buffy Buffy was heavily influenced by by Dark City. Yeah, because it's all these creepy bald men (laughs) just floating around (laughs) doing stuff. Um, And Horrible Teeth as well. That's the other thing I remember... Like, like kind of like almost pearlescent glistening teeth. Wow. Um, you know, and that's, you know, there's all these underlying themes within that as well as of, of like having your voice and, and, and being able to speak up. And again, it's Buffy who, Riley finds it difficult to deal with the fact that Buffy's the one. She's like, Buffy's bluntness in like, how do I stab it? How do I kill it? Right. And, you know, they're going, no, we need to come at this because she can be a blunt instrument as well. Yes. You know. Right. Because um, well, there's Angel initially. Angel's the first, uh, the first boyfriend who then becomes the big bad when they have
0: sex and it turns him evil. Right, right, because he wasn't supposed to. And uh, he should have used a condom. Yeah, uh, probably would have used uh, a condom. <laughs> probably would have left helped. that vampire juice in, in <laughs> that's a condom. It. the condom because that's that's where it all went wrong. And, is it uh, dust? Is it dust?
1: Is that how it works?
0: Uh, it might have been. It might have been like a, a placenta where he should have then eaten it. Ah, uh, I got gross. <laughs> okay, so uh,
1: <laughs> so he was the first boyfriend, and they have sex, and he turns into a shit. Which I think is a story many women understand. <laughs> Um, And I think that's one of the beautiful things, actually, it was totally relatable about how she's got all these vulnerable feelings of like, I've had sex with my boyfriend and now he's being horrific to me. (laughs)
0: Right, right. Where, I mean, he, he, there's that weird thing in the beginning where he doesn't want to go out with her. He's thousands of years old. She's 14. Yeah. I mean, there's all these. Same old Hollywood story. Same old Hollywood story. (laughs) It's just like, and then he gets talked into it. This is the romance novel the guy's always been looking for. Yeah. And um, so... But the, the, when they end up. You know, it's that unrequited love kind of thing. That then, when it is resolved, I think Joss Whedon was like, "This ruined moonlighting. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna just embrace the fact that it's going to ruin it." Yes. And then the only way that he could get better, didn't he have to go off and start his own TV show? Yeah, that's how. That's how men get better. They get given more
1: career opportunities. <laughs> men behave badly and are given extra chances, extra things
0: for him to do, but in another town. Yes. He couldn't stay in Sunnyvale. Uh, he had to go. Um, because um, Sunnyvale, California, Sunnydale. Sunnydale, Sunnydale, but Sunnyvale, yeah. California, yeah, is a real place. Oh right, right. And so, um, and the recurring joke has, ever since the '90s has been that it is a hellmouth, <laughs> and uh, now it is an IT hellmouth because it's all um, Google and tech and, and tech and stuff. So, because it's in Silicon Valley, but. Um, so yes, yeah, so he, so he goes he, away. He
1: goes away to start his own his own series, which is Angel, eponymous eponymous show Angel, and then there are various love interests because obviously there's a situation that happens with Spike and Buffy, um, and then there's what happens with Spike and Buffy. I don't remember. He sacrifices himself at the very end for her, and he is in love with her. Oh okay, because I know that
0: he was a great character. He Spike's
1: was- story arc is probably one of the great, you know. Because Tragic. she hates us, yeah, she hates herself for being with him, and he's in love with her, and she can't. She doesn't tell anyone because she comes back from the dead. They bring her back from the dead,
0: Oh, that's and she's right. changed,
1: right? As you as tend to be, as
0: you would be if you were brought back from the dead. Um, what series? What season was that when she comes back from? Because it was her sister. Her that sister. She her
1: sacrificed back? herself for her sister. Okay. How um, Hunger Games of her, yeah, and, uh, so. yeah, Katniss. It's been done before. Get over it, <laughs> um, yeah. So she, um, she is. I think that's so. Dawn and the key. So we had series,
0: um, series
1: four. Did Dawn so come
0: in? There's Willow, right? Oh, Willow, yeah, Alison Hannigan. And, and and her and her the the boy that she's in love with. Who's yeah. like Skippy from uh, he's like the neighbor kid from that from that TV show. Um this is like Xander. Watching, that this was is his like name. watching TV with my mom. That oh, oh, very much so. It's uh I was born like this. So I when I was eight years old, I'm sitting Skippy. around going, it's like uh, uh, it's like Eddie Haskell, is what I was saying when I was eight. And it's like the Beverly Hillbillies, it's like their neighbor who's like Eddie Haskell. And uh, anyway, so um so there was there was
1: uh, Nicholas Brendan, who's Xander, yes, um, but then Willow—he gone on to
0: do anything? because um, was
1: Brendan that you know his name is amazing. Um, uh, not as much. He's actually a twin, interestingly. Um, but oh, Alison Hannigan obviously has gone on to have a pretty big career because she's in How I Met Your Mother and she's she was in the American Pie movies and stuff.
0: That did she play Willow? She played Willow. She is the talking head host on the uh, Penn & Teller Fool Us TV show. Oh, right. Yes. Right. So she loves magic, it turns out, and has a gig where she gets to introduce people and be part of Magic X.
1: Oh, that's great. So she that's, enjoys that. That's fitting. Mm-hmm. So she she's actually married to Alexis Denisoff, who was in Angel the t- this and Buffy for a little while. He came in as a replacement watcher for...
0: For oh, Giles who is right, Buffy's right. watcher. Oh that's right, Giles who whatever happened to Giles.
1: Well, he was in a Maxwell House coffee ad in the UK. <laughs> that was the most famous <laughs> thing he'd done there. Um, whatever
0: happened to his character though, cuz I remember didn't they get recalled or something?
1: Um he well, he he leaves. He leaves her just when she needs him the most cuz he thinks he's <laughs> not necessary anymore. I mean, this is where just brilliant characterization There's also Anya, the character Anya, who's played by Emma Caulfield, who when Buffy's mum dies in an episode, just does this exploration, because she's a demon that is newly human. Okay. She gets to experience all the human emotions for the first time and they're right at the front of everything. Yeah. So it's really just beautifully done. It's such a gift of a character to be able to have, because she says, I don't understand what's happening. I was just here drinking Fruit punch, and I thought Joyce would like some fruit punch, and she's not here anymore, and she's never going to drink fruit punch again. And then she's, you know, like, and I don't understand it. And how do you live this? Because it hurts so much, and it's just like this. Beautiful, like really, you know. Yeah. She's got funny lines where, like, someone talks about being anxious, and she's like, "Why don't you just masturbate like the rest of us?" You know. Um, <laughs> so she's a great, you know. I, I did so much. I could probably do a whole episode on this, and I know we want to talk about other things. So. Um, no, that's all right. But, but it's an. But it's an. It was an absolute gift uh, to see this complex, layered character going through. All of these teenage uh, emotions and growing and learning, but also still having to be the hero the whole time.
0: Right. So, but yes, because Buffy kind of had to be both the adult and the child, and yes. it was. But it was such an ensemble cast. I mean, he's really good at ensemble casts. Yes, Joss Whedon, and um, so there was the dark-haired woman. Who was the cheerleader who was kind of bitchy? Charisma
1: Carpenter, yeah, yeah. She played Cordelia. (laughs) Cordelia. She went on to be an angel and she had a really interesting story arc in that because she was kind of initially brought in as kind of like the airheaded, vacuous one. Right. But who then falls in love with the geeky guy.
0: Oh, right. She falls in love with Xander. Xander, yeah. That's right.
1: And then Sandra and Willow have a thing, but Willow's actually a lesbian and then she has a relationship with Tara. And then becomes a witch. Becomes a witch and then turns bad, like evil Willow, pretty, pretty brilliant. She flays someone in an episode, which is pretty hardcore for...
0: That does feel for high school or college.
1: Was that the college years too? That was college years. (laughs) And actually that's the thing that they call the um, uh, fridged women. There's a trope within... Uh, comic book culture which I just learned about yesterday called Fridging which is... um like these the women that only exist so that men can go on a hero's journey Yep. so the woman they love is murdered or killed and it's called fridging because the Green Lantern comes back to find his girlfriend in pieces in a fridge
0: <laughs> 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 what a weird deep long um, box cut yeah. <laughs> uh, holy crap uh, yeah. so Hal Jordan comes back and his girlfriend or wife is in a fridge, yeah, a fridge yeah. and so now he has to go on like a taken kind of yes. Uh, revenge yes all right. Didn't John Wick someone kill his dog recently? And uh, so. yeah. So this this so but but this is the journey
1: that men always get, and for women, it's when their kids die, they go and explore doing things right. So. <laughs> we're gonna get you back. We're gonna get you back. So, but in this case, Willow's Tara is killed. Oh right. So this is Willow getting to do that journey. So that's even then he's kind of subverting right. that. We're getting to see a woman do a uh, you know this kind of my my yeah. lover was killed. I'm going to do that revenge plot line and I'm going to flay someone like she literally takes the skin it's quite a shocking moment for what that show is
0: yeah because there usually isn't much gore I didn't see that episode where they do they show
1: some of it oh they show it she just flicks like at him and his skin comes off Oh Christ So it's But it, but it's quite graphic You're like Whoa Like hardcore Willow Because you think When you first start magics. watching
0: Yeah When you first watch Buffy You're like Oh good There's no bodies Right uh, yeah, <laughs> They yeah. all turn into dust And they blow away Yes So But when you um, When something like that Flank shows up Or when the monster Is particularly Remember that guy Who lived underground He, he was under the earth And wanted to yes. Come and take over the world Yes And he needed a portal Or something Yeah. And it was A Little Boy. Remember that one?
1: Yes, yes. That was, I think, when they brought Nathan Fillion in as well. There was like an order of monks.
0: Was Nathan Fillion in that?
1: Yes. Okay. So Joss has a team, you know, because then Nathan Fillion went on, obviously, to be the lead in Firefly. Right. Which was also a great TV series. An amazing And a great film.
0: in a great film, Uh, Serenity. Yep. Those are, um, it's great. And then I liked uh, the woman who was the, the pilot in Firefly? Yes. You know her name?
1: Gina Torres. Nice
0: work. <laughs> <laughs> you have got all
1: these names in your brain box. Well played. Um, And she's married to uh, Lawrence Fishburne.
0: Is she married to yeah. Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I saw her as a lawyer in some other. Uh, uh, hour-long drama so i'm glad she's still working because she was amazing in firefly
1: oh uh, firefly was such a good sh- again and obviously the, ju- that's the beauty of just when he does know how to write these uh brilliant women and make them complex and layered and and that's why yeah again that's why it was so groundbreaking and revolutionary at the time
0: yeah he's have- really good at ensemble cast and he's really good at writing women he i guess it was some sort of uh a bit of a buzzkill cuz it turns out he's also human and right. uh, and he likes the ladies and uh and so when uh, th- there's he's not great in a, right. in, a in a power right. situation i guess he's acted incorrectly occasionally and um but much like dan harmon i think and maybe not like i know he didn't apologize like dan harmon did but i think he has he can be taught is from what I've heard of Joss Whedon is that he was like, Oh, that wasn't, you're like, yeah, that wasn't great. Dumb, dumb. I
1: think sometimes with the slightly, and this might be me speaking out of turn. I think sometimes with the slightly nerdy guys, this goes across stand-up comedy or whether it's producers, writers, directors, they start as being these outsiders and then they are embraced and they don't realize they have power. In the same way, right? Right. They Where still
0: think they're the underdog.
1: They still think they're the underdog and they sort of become monsters and they don't realize that they they're like oh no 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 like there's no way you would do this just because i asked she right. must have been into it because i'm a piece of shit and everyone thinks that and i don't have any power right and it's, it's that's a- not excusing it by the way please right no one listening but At- this is nuance. these are exactly the kind of conversations that need to be happening
0: right right because and and there's a learning curve to it you have a you have a stand-up comic in your um in, in your country uh who has always thought of himself as the underdog and for a while was not the underdog had to relearn uh, how to do stand-up, I think, because uh, it was a bad couple of years with Stuart Lee. Right. Where Stuart Lee was the underdog and he was a yes. piece of shit and nobody gave a shit. And so he said whatever he wanted and it was great. And then he got a TV show and he became more powerful. And then you're like, dude, you... are not the underdog You are anymore. no longer the underdog. Yeah. Uh, get it together. And yes. so I think it took a couple of years. The same, we have uh, Doug Stanhope here. Yeah. And, um... But I think you're right about that is that – but it, it they need someone in their lives or they need to have realization in their own lives where they, they have to come to the other side of it and realize, oh, no, I'm management now. Uh, yes. I am the man. And <laughs> yeah. so and, – and to use their powers for good. Because I think Joss Whedon has used his powers for good for the most part. Yes. You know, maybe not in individuals' lives. But that is true of me as well. I've been a piece of (laughs) shit uh, to uh, occasional individuals who would like me to stop that as well. And uh, they are not wrong. Uh, So, (laughs) but do you have a favorite episode or Um, a favorite arc? Yeah, I think... um, I think,
1: yeah, because weirdly, because Buffy runs after Riley when he disappears. I do kind of like the... um, I do like, I, I kind of like the hush episode. Oh, um, right. Because you know, of how
0: dark and weird it is. Yes.
1: Yes. But I, but also um, the, the Buffy, the one where Buffy's uh, mum dies. Um, just because it's, is it the mostly the powerful ones that really get you? Yeah. Um, I felt like it was handled so, because there's a silence. It's almost like bleach. The way it's shot, um, it's called the body because she just comes in and finds a body. Right. So she comes in going, mama, and then she's on the floor. Oh. And then it's realizing that she's not alive. But it's kind of this kind of, it's almost like she's gone into shock. And the shock is shown really well because all the sounds, it's just this kind of muted pastoral. It's kind of like, <laughs> oh, wow. You know, like kind of you can hear birds. Yeah. And it's over bleached. There's sunshine, sunshine, sunshine. But it's very quiet and there's no dialogue. And she's trying to get her up, then then she phones an ambulance and then she literally walks off and throws up yep. and comes back in and then you just hear the siren and then t- it's 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 beautifully done. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of as much in part of like the cinematography and the like how the episode was directed to mm-hmm. really, because what you're putting on the page there I think it was Jonathan Ames said this to me once, he was like, the problem with scripts is they're too much like blueprints, they're schematics, mm-hmm. which is why I like writing prose, right? So yeah. This feels like, you know, how, how did this is in the hands of the director or this is in the hands of someone going, because I don't know how you write this. Oh, right. To make that these kind of moments really sing because it's not in the, what Buffy has that is great is zippy dialogue between characters, yeah. bouncing backwards and forwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and it's it's, it's really often funny. very quippy and quippy, and, and so funny
0: and, and and like that. So
1: these- she meets <laughs> she meets um, uh, Dracula for the first time, and he's like, "I am Dracula." She's like, "Get <laughs> out!" You know, like it's great. It has that. You know, I'm t- and, and Xander going. I'm tired of being everyone's butt monkey. There's like great bits of, but this is all in the all in in how it's kind of graded and edited and and, and shot. So so much of it, and her performance in it is really really great. But um, so that's probably one of my favorite episodes, which is a bit grim. But yeah, the well, body—it's
0: yeah, so interesting because this is very much light, uh, light fare, right? Mm. Like it's not particularly well respected, or it wasn't at the time. It was like vampires and and high school kids, and who cares, and all these things. But I have been recently been thinking about how much power is in these lighter movies and these lighter books and things that are just sort of—they uh, feel more casual, like. You know, like, when you look back on, like, the beginning of science fiction uh, popularity back in the, um, where the heroes, where where a lot of the, the, you'd think it's a cowboy movie where it's just good and bad and black and white, except for that it's a, it's Heinlein or somebody, or it's uh, Ursula Le Guin where there is nuance. And there is, and in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this is an opportunity to talk about, like, real pain and yes. real like angst and and real uh just shitty behavior in general and really shine a light on it because there's vampires you're like oh she's going to stab somebody and uh but then you have actually learned something in the midst of it all right it's yeah. like it's like the best of the superhero movies yes the best of uh science fiction the best of romance romantic comedies you know and and I've I've said this a bunch of times on the dark force that there's always like in these lighter books and stuff and, and movies, there's always a B-plot. There's always some sort of weird message. Yes. And whether it's right-wing or left-wing, it's It's there. It's yeah. so fucking there. And um, like I, I've been watching on a pretty steady rewatch, like a tiny child watching Aladdin, uh, the movie Long Shot. And it is Charlize Theron and uh, Seth Rogen. And it is a romantic comedy and it's not realistic, and I have said this out loud before. I was mad about it because I thought that Seth Rogen has sort of purchased himself a trophy wife
1: yes. of a movie,
0: yeah. Because what is Charlize Theron doing in this movie with <laughs> Seth Rogen, where she's a love interest of Seth Rogen's? Yes, but it makes sense in the plot, and the and the script is hilarious, and there is a bunch of little zingers in it. You know, it has sort of this. Um it's much more cynical than the American president, right? The American president had uh, Annette Bening and Michael Douglas, right? right? So, um why would there why would there be someone at my door? Hang on a second. And we're back. Uh <laughs> I just yelled at a guy for no reason. Yeah, then I had to apologize because that's how my life goes. Hi Tiffany At Steven. least at least you apologize though. Uh right cuz right as I saw his eyes widen and go, "What? Did I I just rang the doorbell. I didn't do anything. I just rang the doorbell." And uh, yeah, it was a triple A guy. He was at the wrong house. It was one house over, my lovely neighbors. They're very nice. <laughs> he seemed like a nice man. <laughs> Not the hero, not the hero of this story, you guys. Uh, let's uh, let's keep going with Tiffany Stevenson. <laughs> what is the lesson we've learned there? What, because uh, uh well, yeah, I'm gonna eat the, a cashew. Yeah, the
1: lesson we've learned there is that, um, that you know when you're wrong and
0: you can apologize
1: immediately. And look how simple it was, yeah, it wasn't that so bad. To say sorry,
0: it was not that hard. <laughs> he took it well, too. He was just like, Yeah you'll notice uh he did not say no no don't worry about it he said yeah no no you're right you're right to apologize because you were weird and he was correct okay so <laughs> buffy the vamp I, I mean here's the thing on your list of I've other people lots of things we can move on we could because um comparably like you have maya angelou yeah and charles dickens on here charles and eve babbitts who's of eve babbitts
1: Eve Babbitt was like a Hollywood it girl, but then that's kind of to diminish her. She's a phenomenal writer. And the first time I came out to Los Angeles, um, a friend of mine brought me uh, a book called Eve's Hollywood, my friend Steve, and said, you've got to read this if you're going to do Hollywood. And it's about, it's, <laughs> it's at the beginning, she sort of thanks Joan Didion for doing being disparaging about being that New York writer who's then disparaging about LA so that she doesn't have to do that because it's more like a love letter to LA. Oh, that's neat. Babbitt's work. It's really rich. It's really layered. It's so smart and ahead of its time on a lot of things on like, uh, but she's a writer. beauty, Beauty privilege. Yeah. But she was beautiful. So she was like in the, Her, I think her father played it uh, was a violinist for mm-hmm. uh, a studio um oh, a studio orchestra. violinist yeah studio violinist oh wow and um that's thankless steady work yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um and her uh, parents um so she sort of grew up in hollywood and she is the person she was kind of an it girl for that phase and then was doing photography uh, uh, photographing rock stars at one point and this is just memoirs of her hazy kind of smoke and drinking years hanging out at the Chateau Marmont and It is the 70s or 70s yeah 70s um 60s and 70s or 70s, 70s and 80s ma- Mainly 70s I think but okay. her school years were kind of like uh, uh, um 50s and 60s and she talks about kind of pachucho culture which I didn't know a huge what amount is that? about So that's like um a, a Mexican kind of it was like a culture, a fashion. There was pachucha and pachucha. Okay. And it's in terms of they were influential with music. It was really interesting because she says at the time, everyone aped Mexican culture. Everyone wanted to be like the the Mexicans, including the black singers. Everyone wanted to sing like this one kind of famous Mexican singer at the time. And we wanted to dress like that. And they were huh. seen as the... The cool people in culture. And then I think one of the big singers got arrested for statutory rape. Okay. And there's a but, – but this is how she is on, like, racial politics. She was like – like, because he was Mexican. She was like, that's not condoning. But she was like, also at the same time, he slept with underage girls, but so did mm-hmm. – w- why aren't they arresting, you know, the Rolling everyone Stones? Everyone else. Everyone else. And she was like, because they were white. Yes. So uh, the uh, Pachuchos had – you know how, like um, – Uh, I guess like how everyone dresses in the mask, you know, these big kind of, (coughs) it was like the big pants with the sort of spats and the slip back hair and a chain hanging down from the, you know, it was the original. That was the look. That was the look. And, um, and she said there were two Mexican kids in her school who were like they used to have a dance competition in the gym on a Friday, and she was like they were by far and away the best dancers, right. but they would never win because of the inherent <gasps> racism of the teachers and everything else. So there's a there's this kind of unpicking of Los
0: Angeles culture at the time, and and sort of the the co-opting of that culture, yes, and taking sort sort of like what we. What we know happens, but it's mostly the most of the examples are usually with African American. Yes, um, work.
1: Yeah. So she was like, but everyone, you know, wanted to be to be like them, and then it kind of moves through into. She's got great stuff on beauty privilege and yep. how people split, like how um you know uh who, who the type of people were the itinerant people that sort of showed up in los angeles looking to create a life versus the smart you know like the that that kind of idea that the smart ones went to new york and the beautiful ones went to los angeles right right, right? back in the yeah yeah and she talks about beauty privilege and how I and mean, these are conversations that are being had now but she's talking about it in the 70s it's so far ahead of its time um she had a great bit on on kind of like a friend of hers who just was like, everyone's just so nice to me and they want to help me all the time. And it's because I'm a good person. And she was like, no, it's because you're beautiful. (laughs)
0: It's because you're super Fox. Hey, super Fox. And you're young.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and she's like, but she's never jealous of it and it's not resentful. It's like kind of, she's able to step back and view it on almost like, um, uh, like academic. Yeah. in an objective fashion. Rather than obviously, you know, subjectively getting upset that this isn't her life. And, you know, she's someone who's beautiful as well. One of the famous photos of her is playing naked chess. Okay. With the chess grandmaster. And those were the, like a series of photos that came out in the 70s and 80s. So I just think if you're in Hollywood, reading Eve's Hollywood, you get a real sense of, you begin to feel Los Angeles in your skin. Ah, uh, You begin to wear it. So she's talking about being in Cantor's Deli and... Uh, observing people having conversations and her descriptions of stuff, almost like Confederacy of Dunces, almost like Ignatius, how he uses this kind of really... a a certain level of hyperbole to describe something that's quite mundane that's very funny okay like and that the first time she ever ate a fig she was like I thought a fig was an assault on the senses like the idea of it like but like the idea of her being 10 years old and kind of going this is like the worst thing that could ever happen to a human just kind of reminds me of um, Ignatius when his mum tries to get into his room and his response is never has one human being been so totally and utterly besieged. <laughs> <laughs> so I always really enjoy that kind of level of hyperbole in writing about the mundane, and, and she does
0: that beautifully. And so she, I've never heard of her. Is she just, uh, is and the word just, of course, but is she just a writer? Is she? Uh- um,
1: <clears throat> well, she was the person who introduced um, Salvador Dali to Frank Zappa. Okay. You know, she's that kind of, she's a per, she was a mo- like
0: she was a person who brought people together. Okay, so she was like sort of a, a social
1: socialite, sort of, you know, but like, that undermines but, how funny and great her writing is. Does right, that make sense?
0: Sort of LA royalty, but but uh but also really really good at it. Yes. And, and and She's 76 now. Oh, she is still with us.
1: Yes, but she kind of disappeared from life um but, uh, public life. I think she had an accident or uh, you know a wipeout of some sort well it was a i think she got burnt um and she sort of disappeared from public life for a bit um she used to make album covers so she would do you know so she was an artist in that um she designed album covers for linda ronstadt the birds buffalo springfield Oh, wow. So she did so, the her most famous cover collage for the 1967 see, album, Buffalo Springfield Again.
0: Okay. I know someone like this is um, Diva Zappa was on this show. Right. And she is a photographer and she follows bands. And she um, is also, her dorkdom was knitting. And my favorite thing that Diva Zappa said about knitting, because I said, well, knitting seems very, um, like if you make a mistake, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to undo and then redo. And she goes... Oh, no, I never redo. I always think that's what the hat wants, and I was like, <laughs> yeah it doesn't and she goes, "Oh, I know, uh, but I'm not undoing it and redoing it. I'm just gonna and she also liked to pick the hardest kind of um yarn, like the most ethereal kind of like fluffy yarn of all of the hardest kind, where she's like, okay, I'm going to um." I'm going to use this and learn how to knit using this weird cotton candy of a, of, of a yarn. And so she brought some of her knitting and it was, but she grew up as sort of that kind of royalty as well, yes. where, um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Moon and the, and Moon's been on the show too, but Moon's, Moon's dorkdom is more <laughs> this sort of, uh, like yoga spiritual stuff right? that was, um, truly dorky, but, uh, but not, it's it's hard to put it's uh it's it's hard to get your hands on it, right? And um, but there's so much. It's interesting when someone who is raised like that in this situation would write, sort of a love letter to that town to, to the place where they came from. Yes, so yeah. that's cool. Did so you, that just she, the one book, or
1: uh, oh no, she's there's a few. I've I've been given one of um. Uh. I've been given one of like uh, of, of her short stories. I think she was published in Rolling Stone and The Village. Okay. she went to New York for a little while and really hated New York, and but Give hated a shot. <laughs> yeah, but hated how much um, the LA was referred to as a cultural wasteland when she was actually like culture is built here and this is a beautiful place.
0: Um, uh, real the thing the people who hate Los Angeles are incorrect. Uh, I, when, whenever I go anywhere and if somebody slams LA, I was like. You know, I could, I would never, uh, I choose to live here. Yes. And here's the thing about Los Angeles that is one of the greatest things is that um, Karen Kilgariff, I think, said it best. She said, every every couple of months, the best-looking people in their small town move to Los Angeles (laughs) to find out that they are not the best-looking people in the world. And what I find is that every six or ten months, I'll meet a half a dozen to a dozen new brand new comedians who have just moved here. And Uh, four of them, like like (laughs) Tiffany Stevenson, and four of them will be incredible. And then the phone rang. This is the most (laughs) interrupted episode of the Dork Forest ever. It could be. It could be. um, Mm -hmm. There.
1: Yes, to find out. So four comedians will move to find
0: out that they're not the best comedians. You know, a dozen comedians will, will move here. I'll, I'll see them. I'll meet every six or eight months a dozen new comedians. And four of them will be incredible. Right. And I will say to them, why have I never heard of you? You're Why aren't you famous? And then they will say back to me, well, you're pretty good. Why aren't you famous? You've been here the whole time. And they are correct as well. <laughs> but uh, but the, thing, the thing is is, there is a problem with some people who move here – there's two things that happen th- that make people mad about Los Angeles. They move here, and they don't. They don't know. They don't realize that they have to start over. You know, right. you if you come here with a set of skills, you win, right? Mm. Because once you get an opportunity, then it's like someone you're else ready can- for it. Yes, you're primed. Someone can get you a job. They cannot keep the job for you, right? Yeah. So in Los Angeles, if you're ready. To be seen, if you ever get seen, you have an advantage. But so starting at the beginning of open mics and, and just showing up and doing the that kind of legwork feels um, beneath some people. They're like, I was a big deal in Indianapolis. And you're like, yes, but you are no longer in Indianapolis. And so and then the other thing that will sometimes make people mad is if they decide to go home, what? you know they've given it a shot, and they go home and they get made fun of back in Minneapolis or in Chicago. Oh, you couldn't make it, huh? And you're like, hey, fuck you! Uh, did you try? <laughs> yeah. You didn't try. You yeah. stayed here, and uh, and and didn't even go out and see if anyone gave a damn. You know, because a big portion of the industry has always been here, right? Right. But you know, and but the world we're living in now, you can do it from Chicago you can do it because of the internet and and have them you can live there and and still make a big deal here so yeah you can hop between London and New York and LA
1: which is what I'm doing that's it but I get it but there is a kind of thing of like building a career and then coming here and then kind of going okay no one knows so I have to go out and do stuff and do shows and hop up and I'm willing to jump through hoops, but I'm not willing to jump through all the hoops again. No, because so that's the, that's where you kind of draw your line. You go, there's a bit of hoop jumping, but there's also, I'm you know, exhausted. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's part of me, like when I, when I moved here, I think I was 30, uh, 31. And I was like, I can do this, but I can't do all of it. Like you said, yeah. because I'm tired and, yeah. um, and hopefully the effort that I put in will result in something.
1: And I know there are a few people who fling themselves out here without anything else and just go. I'm in Hollywood. I want to do it, and mm-hmm. it, it is. I guess it's different. You know, I have a body of work, so I like to think that that you stands bring that for itself. To the table. Yeah, and mm-hmm. a, you know, a TV career and stuff in the UK, but also, you know, it's all relative as well, right? You know, and but people can see your work here or hear you, like I do the Bugle podcast. So people will come out for shows from hearing me on that out here. Yeah. So you can start to build your audience from your hometown. Mm-hmm. And London obviously being, you know, the place where there's so much comedy happening. Kind of similar to New York. LA is much more spread out. But yeah. it's a much more even-handed approach to the business for someone who's like me. I do stand-up, but I don't just do stand-up. I act and stuff. And I'm right. right. Yeah. So Hollywood does feel like the place to be to do that. There's just not a huge amount of money in <laughs> No, in stand up,
0: but and I but I love the fact that the Eve Babbitts thing brings you to this to this town. Yes, with more of a sense of hope and more of a sense of of inclusion and and love instead of a because when I moved here, I was told that I had to choose to like it. It was the best advice I ever got. Right, because uh, he said if you choose if you don't choose to like it, you will probably not like it because there are things not to like. Yes, and uh, and I was like, oh okay, and he said. And you're going to hang out with people that you don't like very much in any new place that you move for the first yes. year or so. And then eventually it'll take you three years and then you'll meet four people that you genuinely really like. And then you will build a community around that. Yes. And he has been, uh, I don't hang out with him anymore. What happened there? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think I, I do kind of
1: try and go with my gut as well on people. Cause you'll meet a lot of, there's a, a fair amount of bullshit is in my in this town and that's what she talks about in her book as well there's a certain type of guy that will kind of come over and just assume that you have no agency or idea Mm. of what you're doing even though they've just seen you be funny on stage oh and they kind of go i can help you listen Listen." i know what to do with your career (laughs) And then I find out that they've never got a single thing away,
0: right, or I written a
1: thing. Or, you it feels, know, like,
0: it feels like that that uh, that negative talk, where they're negging, just yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, I hate all abbreviations. So, but I think yeah. So that that negging business, it just they c- they can make you feel bad about themselves and somehow climb uh, attach themselves to your to, to your yeah. qualities, right? Yes, yeah, and. It doesn't, I mean, every time I get off stage and someone, I'd never really noticed it before. I would just get a vague feeling. Like I just did stand-up in Paris and Rich Hall uh-huh. was the headliner yes. of Sniglet's fame. Yes, and, Rich, um,
1: is, Rich does my show in London like on a weekly.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, He uh, was enormously dismissive of me. And so he was not particularly nice. It doesn't mean, it just meant he was having a day when he didn't feel like, you know. Ah. And it's fine.
1: It's a shame. But it was that's a shame. That's, a sh- that's yeah,
0: what, but, but yeah, go and on. And so but. I just sort of, I was like, oh, well, I don't need to stay and watch his set then. Because I got off stage and I did well and they asked me to do an encore. So uh, one imagines, which was weird because there is no encores, Yes. really, in the stand-up comedy in Los Angeles or in the United States, right? There's because I just did my closer. I don't know if you, Anyway. Yeah. And you hired me to yes. do the 35 yeah. minutes, so I get off stage, and the 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 booker was like, "Can you go do an encore, another 10?" And I was like, "Is Rich not ready?" And he was yeah. like, "No, no, no. I think the audience liked you so much, they'd like to see more." Right. And so then I got up and I did 10 of of something, and then um. And it was fine, but he didn't – he was there for the set and he didn't say anything. You know, he didn't say good set. He didn't say, it's been nice to meet you. He 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 was like uh, – essentially just he looked dead in the eye and then he turned and walked away. So I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to dinner. And uh, that's, <laughs> right. that's how I dealt with that. Yeah.
1: Well, no, because it is it, – it's what – we know the rules, right? And there are rules that after a comic's been on – and they've done really well. Withholding your praise is such an odd
0: thing to do. It, it's at the at it's the a, very best the best case scenario. It's an odd thing to do. The worst case scenario, it's kind of mean. Yes, and, yeah, and 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 and, like, uh, purposeful Purposeful because yes. you because we do all know that even if it didn't go well, if yes. it went okay, you just go hey hey. You were up there. No, yeah. you don't say that. Well, but, but, but mean- you
1: kind of go, mate, like, or you point out the bits you did like. Yes, and you say, wasn't it great when you did that bit and that? And you try and give someone some something positive to and walk if you away with. But I'm I'm upset. I'm dis- I'm disappointed that Rich did that. Because… Because you know him. Because I know him. And also because when I do my room in London, he's there the whole night. So he watches everyone. He's there That's from neat. the beginning of the, you know… Um, Which is
0: enormously th- supportive.
1: Yes. But maybe, was he pissed off that you got an encore and you weren't close Like, I don't understand who knows he was going to go on later and he was like oh now they're going to be like worn out by the time i get on but also none of that is is your fault no no to kind of get to 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 do that is like you know that's
0: um it was weird but i will say that um the whole the whole thing was weird because he was called in last minute because will durst had um, a stroke right and um and I got a text message uh, from a couple of comics going, Hey, you're in Paris. Will Durst had this mini stroke. Do you want a set? And I was like, Hey, Hey, you fucking ghoul. How's Will Durst? Did yes, he live? Yeah, And uh, <laughs> they were like, yeah, he's fine. And I was like, yes, I want this, <laughs> But don't bury the lead. <laughs> yeah. Will Durst had a stroke. He's okay. He's okay. Yeah, we need that. I need that piece of information yeah, up front. Yeah, let's not make me into the monster <laughs> that of course wants to crawl on top
1: of his body. And, and I'm aware that also this is a business that is very much... Like I like that I'm already on a female comics thread. But I feel like that, that people... I have this kind of sense of honor amongst thieves, for want of a better phrase, you know, of like kind of comics supporting each other, being there for each other, um, and also trying to make it better for everyone. I feel like people at the top have to be campaigning to make it better for people at the bottom.
0: Yeah. Because they're the only people that can affect the real change. Right, because nobody's listening to the people on the bottom. And, And if you're in the middle and you say something, there's some risk there. Yeah. But there's less risk than the people on the bottom, and you know, but pick your battles, I guess. But say yeah. something. Don't just fucking let it be horrible. Don't let it be horrible. Yeah, and
1: that's. Um, I'm thinking of getting a tattoo. Anyway, <laughs> say something. <laughs> Don't let it be horrible. Don't let it be horrible. Yeah, um, but I. Yeah, that's that's kind of.
0: Ugh. And disappointed. <laughs> and disappointed, I know, but here's and frustrated the, for you. But. but here's the great thing: is that there is so much, sort of encouraging um, things that encourage us. You know, yeah. like that that book is encouraging you to like Los Angeles. So this is what it says. Here's a paragraph from it. Um,
1: Although I have no, oh, okay, the fifties, as everyone points out, was a peculiarly charmless time into which, in which to be an adolescent. But no one ever felt more bliss than I. Accompanying an older girlfriend to unemployment or inventing lives for fractionally viewed, careless young men in Jaguars. Though oh, I have wow. no kids and Hollywood doesn't exist. I firmly believe, however, that it did exist. And like Rome, we are living amidst the fallen columns and clothes-lined courtyards in the ruins of an empire of the self-enchanted, which was once briefly more devastating than Caesar's and still brings respectable families to a hot, windy intersection in August to sigh with unnoticed despondence. Well, here we are, Hollywood and Vine.
0: Wow, that's an amazing, you know, there are things, you know, like you'll read somebody who's trying to write something. Yes, yes that is something that makes it's beautifully written right yeah like the prose is is outstanding the use of words is is extravagant and uh, the imagery is big but it is also it makes sense Yes, there's no hidden weird. It's not cryptic weird Instagram. The longest post in the world, where you're like, "What the fuck is he saying?" Yeah, and and it's not just big words for the sense of big words.
1: Well, it, and it talks about I think it's about her grandparents when they first arrived and they found themselves on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. So <laughs> in she's kind of well, she was a teenager in 1950, so they would have been earlier than that. And wow. Um, so it's just kind of this uh, what the ideas of Hollywood are. And what are the real things that you can grab onto? And, and, and she's fascinated by people. And I'm fascinated by people because I'm a storyteller at heart. Even in my stand-up, you know, I'm trying to tell stories. Yeah. When I'm writing, I'm trying to tell stories. And she's, she finds people fascinating. And I, I have a little writerly exercise that I do before I ever read this book. And it feels to me like a thing that Eve Babbitts would do. Is Sometimes I'll go out in my car and I'll drive through a neighborhood. Okay. Near me, but one that I don't know well. And then I'll go down the street and I'll pick a house and I go, who lives there? And I will make this series of assumptions or create a story out of what I see in the yard. Through the window? F- through well, Yeah, but without being a creep. Right, you know, right, yeah. So you crazy. could see you could see a wind chime hanging in the garden. Yeah. You take something from that. Do they have potted plants? Is there a pond? What kind of car are they driving? Yeah. And then you just create a world around the people that live in there. And I start to write a little story and it's like an imagined life of someone. Right. And I've actually got, I've got a new thing that I've done, which I want to do. I think Instagram's the place for it. I'm not sure. Um, but it's called The Imagined Lives of Ladies. <laughs> and I have photographs that I brought in like a, what it, it would be like a garage sale or in New estate York.
0: Estate sale or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They were just, they're just pictures, but they're pictures of women and they're pretty much through like 20s and 30s up to the 80s. Right. And I want to take this picture and then create the story. Yeah, this is without this getting person. in your
0: card. Card. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah.
1: Um so I think an Instagram account with that would be real fun and I just I want to write the funny stories. Um
0: that's you know. cool. That's a great idea. I love the I love there's so much Tiffany Stevenson. And what I like about you is that there's so much hope <laughs> in like in in your there's there's like, I get from you, like, this palpable intelligence. And, but I also get this sense of just moving forward into something. We've got to do something. And, yeah. and, and, and we have to stay sort of chipper about it. Not chipper, but I mean, like, like more positive. Like, don't wallow in yes. the things that are, you know, it doesn't deny that they're, they exist.
1: Yeah. But stop hammering on the door that's not going to open for you and just go round the fucker. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I feel like because then part of part of me that feels like oh I'm entering into some kind of madness because I'm coming over here at this point in my life you know and I'm not in my 20s but I also do feel like I have something to offer and then I've you know excitingly I've got some things away and stuff is happening you know and um but but also I'm coming to this point of like having done stand-up for um, a long time, having done Edinburgh's, having shows be like the best reviewed shows in Edinburgh. And I hate saying that because I do But someone should. It's in my nature to be (laughs) self-deprecating and it's not Hollywood's nature. People aren't afraid to like shout their achievements and they're not afraid to look desperate here, which is really interesting. But, you know, uh, but but sometimes that also pays off, like that kind of like, I need, I need, I need Mm -hmm. squeaky wheel thing. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing is that I... I view it all as art, so you know I believe stand-up is art. And I n- now I'm trying to be less judgmental when ideas come in that I go, is that a piece of stand-up? Right. Or is that something I want to put into a script? Okay. Or is this just a little fun adventure I want to go on here? And right. You know, because stand-up is not the only filter for all of my ideas, and stand-up's more the filter for my personal experiences of the world. And then sometimes I do bring characters in and stuff. Like I I met a tour guide in New York a couple of years ago who was the basis for an entire show, my bombshell show. Really? Yes, because he had a group of about 20 people. And this is word for word. I was with my friends and they were like, oh, that's gone straight in your iPhone notes. And I was like, of course it has. (laughs) Because this guy goes, over here we have pier number 37. This is where the Titanic was supposed to dock. We all know what happened here. Tragedy. (laughs) <laughs> and then he went, anyway, moving on. Yeah. And I was like, what? That's how is that talk? How? I just, I be, this guy stuck in my brain. It was like um, a little like worm in my brain, just a man saying tragedy moving on. Yes. Because people fascinate me. Yeah. And I was trying to work out what he means in the greatest scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And then it took me a while, but I got to, and this was the basis of the show, <laughs> but I got to, um, So like Eve Babbitt's, I'm fascinated by people and watching people snatches of conversation fascinate me. Right. So that was I was like, oh, he represents all of us in this time of rolling news and terrorism and natural disasters and tragedy that we barely have time to acknowledge. Right. What's happened before we have to move on. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Tragedy. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) No more. Isn't this horrible? Anyway, next thing we've got, we've run out of toilet paper. Let's move on. So, um, so yeah. So I think I I can't remember how I came off on this, well, but yes, I'm trying. Not to – Because the
0: different uses for for yes. the stories and the things that come into your mind. Yes, yeah.
1: and that and so that ended up being the basis of a show about how we receive how we receive bad news, how we receive uh, like yeah these events, and how ultimately we always try and make them about us because it's our ultimate way of understanding and processing. And I think stand-up is a way of understanding and processing sure. the world that we live in. Which
0: is why everyone can do a joke about the same thing and every joke will be different. Yes. You know, just because uh, when it's well done, obviously. But I mean, like, but if you need to talk about airline food, you need to talk about it. Yes. And you make it your own and you you, uh, you do whatever you got to do to make it interesting. So there's no such thing as hack topics just a hack approach yes a terrible hack approach very very it's uh it happens and uh and we all and I've done it I've we've all been there but it's so it's so interesting because I I've done a couple of solo shows where I've taken that information from those solo shows and put it in my stand-up because the stories themselves are stories but I tend to write funny stories yes and they have some punchlines in them and then i can add more punchlines uh you know and then it we tighten it up and uh and we sell it as stand up
1: yes and, uh, <laughs> and it's yeah.
0: all good um and i tend to do more storytelling in stand up anyway which
1: is yes i've seen you so i love the kind of the story element or the that um i don't know if passing out's the correct word but but that that kind of bit of it starting of being a which is all great stand-up that I love, and I hope I do as well, where it starts out as something that happens to you, but what does that mean in a to wider the- context for society right. and to everyone else?
0: Right. It's- is uh, Maria Bamford has uh, this bit about how she wants to um, spice up her sex life with her husband. But um, some people like to, to act out um, different uh, scenarios. And the only scenarios she knows are uh, sort of unfixable social issues. <laughs> so, she's like so the first one she does is gentrification, right? And so they're acting out gentrification <laughs> in a sexual <laughs> fantasy. And you're like, "What is happening?" And uh so but she it's it's the big world made small. Made small. Or the smallest thing in the world made enormous. Yes. Right? So, um yeah, it is and, and to get to get back to Buffy that's yeah. what he does he yes. takes something so absurd and big like vampires and and high school and then making it very very personal so yes. yeah yeah it has been an hour even though the interruptions have not been uh, there's been a lot of them <laughs> I don't know. I usually unplug the phone. There's yeah. things that happen.
1: Well, we talked about stand
0: up a bit, and I hope that's okay for people listening because we d- we can be dorky about stand up, right? We can for sure. It's uh um, it's usually organic uh, because I have a lot of stand ups on the show, and um, and so at some point there will be a ten minute chunk about stand up comedy <laughs> as we meander around the stuff we're reading and the stuff we're watching on television. So Tiffany Stevenson, everybody, um. If you are in uh, the UK and you want to see her there, there, uh, is there tiffanystevenson.com? Yes, this is, yes, tiffstevenson.com. There we go. And it's at tiffstevenson uh, on Twitter and at yeah. tiffstevensoncomic on Instagram. Thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been real fun. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So
1: take off your hat and let's dance.
0: Yay. Oh, my God. Thank we. You. Why don't we just come-